What's going on, everyone? Another episode of DNVR Biz, right down the pipes here for you. Of course, I'm your host, Brandon Spano, and really excited about today's show. I have uh, one of my paisans on, uh, Frankie Vetterini. He is the CEO of U Stadium, which is really an incredible app and an incredible platform that these guys have put so much time and effort into, Frankie and Nick Spano up in New York. And right now, it is the biggest social app for sports fans in America, and it's growing really, really fast. They've raised over half a million dollars in funding in the last couple years, and they're building something really, really special and inclusive. They have a great community. They have a good culture. And their users, uh, as he'll talk about in here, just keep growing. Uh, they're like 10x growth year over year over year the last you know couple years. So they're really onto something special. And we're going to jump deep into that on the business side and how they manage social because they do an incredible job on social uh, and, and all that stuff. Let's jump into books. I am still on What You Do Is Who You Are, Ben Horowitz's most recent book here. And the quote for today is, anytime you imply one group is inherently good or bad, regardless of their behavior, you program dishonesty into your organization. And I really liked this. Uh, The context around this is essentially that there are some people that you trust more than others uh, in your organization or that you look at or believe in at a different level than others. And you are essentially implying that anything that they say compared to anything someone else says in your organization is good or bad. And anytime that you do that, you're programming dishonesty in your into your organization, into your decision making, into the way that you, you know, make assumptions. And so I thought that that was a really great quote. Let's jump to the stock market here as we're uh, opening up DNVR. You might have heard downstairs there. Well, I want to talk about Etsy. I want to talk about Etsy. This is a company that walked into June trading at like $76. Right now, they just hit an all-time high. 102.89 is what it's at right at this point. It's an all-time high, and they've been just riding the all-time high wave this entire month, obviously, coming in at at $76 and sitting at 102 right now. It's been it's been a gradual uptick. And you know, these are one of those companies, e-commerce sites like this that are allowing people to make money online without having to build a brand or build a business or build even a website. As, you know, anytime that there's negativity around coronavirus or fears around coronavirus, I should say, sites like this pick up it empowers people and obviously that results in a stock price going way up so good for them Uh, that's a team that's worked a long time to build this i'm not great Uh, i'm not huge on etsy as an actual platform although i like the team just because our stuff gets stolen and sold on etsy so much our designs that it's and it's kind of impossible to to get them off of there um but you know I, I, I know that, you know, that's a bias. And so I know that if I look at this unbiasedly, that wasn't their intention and, and their mission, that that's just one of the negative aspects of what comes from a system that's open to the world like that. Uh, let's go to Bitcoin. 92.25.70 is where it's trading now, holding really steady still. So, you know, Bitcoin, uh, it seems like I've been saying the same number around Bitcoin since I started this podcast three weeks ago, and, and that's that's pretty true. And so becoming much more of a, a stable coin than we anticipated. 
Let's jump to the conversation with U Stadium CEO, Frankie Vitterini. Thanks for joining me, my man. How you doing up there? Life is uh, as good as it can be now. New York, we got over the wave uno, so let's see what happens next. But yeah, no, life is good. Everything's good with me. So you're the CEO at U Stadium, and I've really loved watching you guys build this company and watching this thing progress. It's really been amazing to be able to go on. I mean, I remember in the early days where like Nick was like, yo, download this app and, and come hang out and like talk football. And like, I would just go on there and it was like you and Nick and like three other guys just like talking and, and the same people. But I was like, yeah, this thing has a chance. Like, and, and it felt cool. And then it just slowly grew and grew and grew. And now when you go on there, it's its own monster. There's all kinds of people in there. There's, you're doing all kinds of different engagement things in there. And, and you know, it, it all starts from social and the way that you guys treated social. I'd love for you to just talk about that because it's something that we even talk about here. I've told my guys over and over again, look at how these guys build social. You interact with every single person. You respond to every single person. Even in the early days when you guys were building your Instagram and your Twitters, it was like you were everywhere. And it was like 24 hours a day. So just just, just talk about that a little bit. Yeah, no, and I appreciate that, Brandon. You've, uh, you've been a supporter of the U, of U Stadium for a while. So I, uh, I appreciate you from the beginning. I mean, you always were supportive and you always had encouraging words and just having support systems like that around you are important. You know, I tell this to a lot of young entrepreneurs, surround yourself with people that make you better, that give you confidence, that can, that, you know, constructively criticize you. It'll help you build as you move forward and help you continually grow. But getting into social, I mean, when we started U Stadium, we wanted to build a network, a niche platform that was focused on sports, obviously. As we ended up building that brand more and more, we saw growth, but at first we didn't really know what the long-term vision was or even where that target market was. I think the one thing that really separated us from some other companies is we valued two things when we were building this product in the social realm. One is really understanding who that target user is and why are they going to use your platform? At the end of the day, if you compare a Twitter, an Instagram, and what they offer from a technological perspective, it's very difficult to compete with those monsters. So you need to make sure that one, you have a value prop for a target user that is super specific and gives them a place that is tailored specifically for them in ways that Twitter and Instagram wouldn't. For us, it's a super fan. We, when we started Youth Stadium, we were between like, oh, let's do some casual fan stuff. A casual fan thing might be post a picture of you outside of a stadium in our app and we'll pick one random person to win a jersey on this Sunday. That was getting some good download traffic, let's say, but then 
that person who posted a picture would end up leaving a day or two later because they'd see some of these other hyper fans going in and having these crazy conversations and debates that Nick and I were a lot of times part of, and they'd leave. They'd get intimidated. We're casual fans. We don't want to be arguing about, you know, LeBron MJ for five hours today. So we ended up shifting and saying to ourselves, if this is not for a super fan, go somewhere else. You're better off, honestly. And like just being able to have that understanding with yourself and your team that you will be better off as a casual fan on Twitter than you stadium is a big just win, mentally speaking, philosophically speaking, from, from, from the company's perspective. So that was one area that we really, you know, refined and grew within this target market mentality of what, what are we building? What feature, what, what, what marketing tools are we doing? Are we using, excuse me, uh, to execute for a super fan? And then the second part is testing, testing, testing like product testing. We, again, to, com- to bring up the, what I just had brought up about Twitter and Instagram, these are animals that have 50 million X, the budget tech budget that you stadium has. We cannot compete with these people from a technological perspective. It is impossible. So we need a product that at least runs somewhat efficiently because at the end of the day, someone's either gonna use our app or use Twitter. They don't care. Why, you know, this isn't like, um, they're not just going to support us for the most part because uh, we're a young company or we're, you know, sort of like a mom and pop shop for, for a sports app. We need to offer something that works well, that's smooth, that when you click something, it works, that, you know, doesn't crash, it doesn't freeze, videos load somewhat quickly. So product, 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 and any investments we brought in went to the product. We were not marketing at all for the first, I would say five years, maybe four years-ish of, of, of this company's growth or journey. We were not spending any in marketing. We were not spending on business debt. We weren't worried about partnerships. If the app doesn't effing work, well, at least like 65%, 70% of the value of what Twitter does in terms of just usability, we're gonna lose all of our users. So we really focused on that. There were competitors in our space that were coming out and making big booms and they were spending a ton of marketing, but their app didn't have it. And I told Nick, the, at the end of the day, when the, when, when the dust settles, the smoke clears, we'll be there. We're, we're, we're moving slower, but we're moving on the right path. We don't have to be this like showy company. Let's build, let's have a target user. Let's build correctly and test, test, test. And we'll get there eventually. And we're still having this fight to this day. So it's not like we've, we're still fighting. So it's not like the company's a success. I mean, it's on the path to being, but we still have a lot of work to do so. Yeah, I I feel like that all the time actually, because we we end up getting into these conversations where it's like, we start having this like we've made it thing and it's like we're still really small in the grand scheme of things. So I, I just want to say that your app works beautifully. And that is when, when we talked, you know, a couple of years back, you know, uh, we had we talked on the phone because I was flying to New York and you had said, dude, it's product, 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 product. And, and you have really, really doubled and tripled down on that. I mean, that has been like your calling card and, everything from those little news briefs that float across the top to the interaction, to the way that the, to the, the streams load, to the way that comments load. And then the, you know, the, the voting system on there. Like I, I just, I love 
Honestly, I just, I, I wish I could just steal it, the entire thing. <laughs> I, I, because it would be perfect <laughs> for, for us. Now. I can talk, we can talk about an acquisition if you want. So, so. I'll give you a Paisano price. <laughs> <laughs> I need the Paisano deal on that. We opened up a Discord for our members. Um, and it's like, it's, it's, it's like, whatever, it's, it's decent, you know, it's, it's not. It, 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 there's a lot of limitations there. It's not specifically built for this kind of a thing, but uh, it at least gives our, our, our fans a place. But, but yeah, anyway, so I, I, just to kind of go back real quick to make sure I cross this off the list, I do want to hear, even if it's, even if it's just commitment-based, like no, not even strategy-based, how were you guys so active on social for those first couple of years? Was it literally you and Nick just sitting on your phones all day answering every single notification that came in? Because that's what it looked like. Like, did you hire somebody to, to do this all day? Like, what was it like? No, it's still, it's, it's, it's not much different what it was. We were sort of, you know, Nick and I would have both accounts open. It ended up being that. I was doing more on the, of things on the Instagram side, and I still am in some ways. I still have a lot of my touch on the Instagram content. Instagram content really is about the engaging, the engagement side of things. We wanted to ask users or ask you know fans um, these questions of 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 what we were seeing in the marketplace and what is intriguing. And with fans specifically, super fans, you know, you have to prove to them that you you know what you're talking about. You can't say, for example, on Instagram, who's better, Julio Jones or Keenan Allen. I mean, Keenan Allen's a great player. There's no doubt, but like, he's not Julio Jones. And asking that question, he'll get 99% of the comments will be like, Julio Jones, do you know what you're talking about? So we see like the NFL network sometimes posting these questions, like these comparisons, and they're just completely off. Like it's like start a team. Who would you start a team around? It was Mahomes, Russell Wilson, or Lamar Jackson. It's like, yeah, yeah, Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson are great, but it's clearly Patrick Mahomes. So when you post stuff like that, you really need to get like, you know, you need to like have this deep dive analysis of like, it could be one of two ways here, one of five ways, whatever your, your set is. So right, right. I was a little bit better geared, suited to do that stuff, the engaging stuff, the franchise trade cut and something that Nick is a monster on Twitter. So he ended up basically taking over the Twitter account where he just deals with all the breaking news and all the retweeting and, you know, cycling news cycles from other reporters. And, you know, he has his own, you know, set of insiders himself that he goes to, um, whether it's about the Jets or general NFL, and he gets tips on certain things and he wants to float around some stuff on Twitter. So he's perfect for Twitter. And I'm in many ways, very well geared for Instagram. And now we're starting to get some interns in house and people that are, we're trying to train to build the U stadium account. But also we always tell interns, we want you to build your own account and shit. If you go out one day and, and you build a better account than ours, I'm going to be there trying to fight you to our accounts better than yours. But you know, let's go. Like I always have a competitive spirit with some right. of our which I like. Yeah, I, I tell them, come in, learn how we did it. Go set up your own brands down the line. If one day we can hire you full-time, if, if we have a position open, it's always there for you. So that was how we did it sort of early on. And to this day, we still do. We've hired a few people that have come in and worked exclusively on the accounts. But for the most part, it's, it's, it's been just a, a hustle. And a lot of the inspiration 
It's not planned. We never believed in like this week set up post for the entire week. It's like yesterday there, uh, Cam Newton was signed. You know, Cam Newton, a good good question is Cam Newton will blank in 2020. How many wins do you think Cam Newton gets? Or what do you think he starts over under five and a half games? Like there's certain things you want to propose that are being talked about on news outlets. And we piggyback off those conversations that are happening on first take and, and, and undisputed and on sports center, let's say, because people are seeing that on TV when they open their app, they're seeing a, a, an engaging conversation that can be a part of, or, 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 or seeing our Instagram. So we want to piggyback off of what's really happening in the world and being there for the super fans to say like, Hey, we want to hear your opinion because you're a super fan. You have these deep dive knowledge posted here and other people will see it. That's kind of how our philosophy has been building these accounts or building this main account. So do you think that the current landscape of the world helps you in, and obviously not talking about COVID because being a sports network or a sports app when there's not sports is really tough, but Politically, the way that everybody is so divided and the way that, you know, most social, uh, all uh, social apps right now are so toxic. Do you think that that helps your brand? Because you can just say, hey, like, if you just want to talk football, if you want to just talk sports, you can come hang out over here. That's all that we have going on over here. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah, I would say, um, yeah, it is a tough climate out there. And there's, there's, and those conversations do, you know, seep into you stadium for sure right. and it's fine i mean that's it's it's a it's very much a part of, of of society today and it's we're so overwhelmed with just you know the news and, and just political opinions in general that it's going to creep into the platform and it's social so if you have two sports fans going to a sports bar like yours Brandon and wanted to have a conversation and watching the game or you guys had your UFC night recently, you might start having, you might start hearing some pop, some political talk there. So it's fine. We do want to be that place though, where not only are these fans being able to go to and express themselves because it almost does become a little bit philosophical in a weird way. It's like, I think Jordan's better because he's more competitive and he has more of a drive and yeah, he does things that I want to be in my life. I want to be that competitive Jordan. So I'm going to like stick with Jordan. Like I have a little Kobe bobble back there. Like I love Kobe because he was like that. But certain other people might like LeBron because he's maybe a better teammate. He's cooler with the guys. He's maybe more outspoken as an activist because he's not so worried about like, you know, his brand necessarily from a dollar perspective, like maybe Jordan was. So it's just kind of, it becomes a little bit philosophic and it gives you a little bit of, a, of an identity as a person that you can grow from. I mean, just loving Kobe and Jordan growing up, it's just, it's helped me in business. I, I saw the Jordan doc and the one thing I was like is I want to be like that. I want to work like he did and, be, and get the team fired up like him. And then other people might see the LeBron doc and be like, I love the way he's just, you know, vibing with everybody and he has his childhood friends that he has on his team and they're just all in sync and, and, and making things happen. So I guess it just depends like how you want to do things. But I will say, yeah, those conversations do come in, but we do pride ourselves on being that place to get away and sort of have those deep dive debates and those analysis that like are core to you as a super fan. More so we're going to start allowing our top super fans on our platform and ones on Instagram. And like you guys, for example, your brand could be a super fan brand top super fan brand that we're calling a mega fan 
a mega fan comes to you stadium and is able to monetize through subscriptions and then through merch selling. So we're building a component to our app that allows you a super, a super, super fan, a mega fan to do that. So we're trying to, because looking at the space now, like we have what 85,000 followers on Instagram, Instagram doesn't pay us a dime per month unless we do a custom ad deal or we do a custom rev deal with somebody, which right. means like we'll make a picture, we'll make the copy promoting their jerseys or something and they pay us through PayPal. Like it's clunky. Instagram doesn't pay a dime to anybody and they don't send emails to people saying, thank you, you have a top account or you had a great week. Like it's just, there's nothing there. And YouTube really, on the other side, did that. YouTube paid their influencers early, their top creators. Now you see sites like OnlyFans and Patreon coming out, um, and that like VSCU site or something, CO, it's for like high school kids. But you're seeing those kind of things coming out that are monetizing these, allowing these creators to monetize, and that's really what we want to do for sports fans too. So not only have this engaging avenue for things, but also have this monetary component allowing you to make revenue from your followers whether they're in you stadium or out so that's what we're looking at moving forward uh, yeah i want to jump into that but before i do can you just walk us through the growth of you stadium and just kind of what that looked like at the beginning and, and how that's went up each year and kind of where you're at now and what your goals are yeah like the first couple of years um well first like two three years you know you were having active user numbers between like you know a thousand to two thousand, three thousand per month. There wasn't, much. and this is just an app, right? So, 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 app. yeah. I just want to make sure the listeners understand. Like, this isn't like they threw up a website. Like, this is just an app. So, that user number is is a lot more. Like, like those numbers are a lot more important than like a page view number. Like, we're talking oh, about okay, app yeah. app downloads. Like, these <laughs> these are these are like real humans. Yeah in your app they use it it's not um right again active user changes month to month so right. for every four let's say four to five new users that download your app and create an account after three months you'll keep one of those five as an active user okay so those are kind of the numbers that you see in the space anywhere between 20 to 25 percent of new users end up becoming sticky or becoming okay know, so it's a pretty high churn that you have well, most apps do. Right, 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 right. Most that's what I, yeah, that's apps. what I meant. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Like the social app, our, our app actually has relatively good churn. So low churn um, sure. versus common apps. But you see, I mean, it's like some months it could be one out of three stays, one out of two, some months one out of six. I mean, it, it depends. But you see around, you keep around 20 to 30%. The best apps keep 40%. Gaming apps, some of them keep 60%, but we're not a gaming app, you know? Um, so, right. um, you know, you see that's how the active user, but like, you know, since 2018, we've almost 10X that amount um, oh, on a cool. monthly basis. New users now with our website, we get a ton of traffic from new users on our website. So new users can be considered an active too, assuming they're scrolling and consuming. So we're seeing a lot of traffic there on mobile just last, Last month or May, May, not June, uh, May, we had the 1 million impressions just from our mobile apps, not including our website, stadium.com. 
So it's it's moving in, in a good direction. We're we're starting to see that we're expanding beyond like this early adopter group of like two, three thousand, five thousand people. Now it's like the brand's really starting to pick up, and our next goal of a hundred thousand monthly active users isn't far away. But we're still working towards it. It's it's a uh, it's when you when you have good months sometimes sometimes you have you have an off month so we're since covid it's been it's been actually really really good for business i wish it didn't happen obviously i mean i don't i'll never sacrifice like people's health and like you know what's going on to people's personal life for, for business i i think that's ridiculous and i see some businesses posting that too like oh like covid's been great for us like everyone's online and like you know consumption's through the roof like it's like you're an asshole, honestly. <laughs> um, but whatever, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. So, so let's. So, so you guys are uh, have a lot of users on there right now. Let's go back to that kind of this building this feature for top creators and influencers. This is a place where now they can say, "Hey, come and follow me on U Stadium, and you can donate or you can subscribe." And and what does the end user get when they? subscribe to one of these creators or you or, or influencers? Yeah. So we'll give you, for example, DNVR will give you a share link. You'll have, you'll be a mega fan on the page. You'll be able to create long form content. You'll be able to create, uh, upload your own podcast and you'll be able to do stuff like send your own custom push notifications to your audiences. Wow. And if you're a handicapper, also be able to send out picks and we can like vet your picks on your platform. If you are a handicapper, if you're not, you wouldn't activate that. Uh, side, but for two ninety nine a month, users get access to all mega fans, and they can customize who they see first. So if I'm a Denver fan, I'll obviously, and we'll know this through our algorithm, but we'll obviously show your stuff first. So we'll show your content, your podcast, and you'll get access to your push notifications. Obviously, that'll be set up through the settings that a user goes through. So two ninety nine a month, and then we'll share that revenue with you based on your referrals. So anyone you're bringing into the platform that's re that sign up as a mega fan through your referral link will um, allocate a certain percentage of that 2.99 a month to you and eventually as we build this out you can add more add-ons to your own page dnvr so you can have people subscribing for an extra dollar a month that just goes to you that um that referral would be done for let's say you um you want to do like a live streaming video once a week and we have that feature uh you know able uh, in the app, and then we would attribute that to you. So we're going to start looking at the future of that, but to start, it's two ninety nine a month, and it'll be uh, you've got access to all of the mega fans. And we have around forty that are like pretty much on board and ready to go. They almost have a million aggregate followers across their Instagram channels, the ones that we have currently. So, That's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. That, that's really cool. Let's talk about the future of social media. You talked about some of the issues with these current you know, uh, these, 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 these current apps, where do you think the future of social media looks in regards to data and users being able to monetize their own followings and things like we just talked about that you stadiums doing? Yeah. Well, literally, I mean, I don't know if you saw the tweet that Andrew Yang had about, I don't know, maybe a week ago saying, yeah, saw it. Yeah. Yeah. About data and how users don't have any, uh, those users get nothing from their data while Google and Amazon and Facebook are monetizing the hell out of everyone's data and they don't give you a penny. So I think those days are eventually, I mean, I think they're numbered. 
it's a very old school sort of approach to things. It's like, yeah, we'll collect all your data. We'll put ads everywhere on your page or, and we'll, we'll even push notify people with ads and in stories and you'll get nothing for it. I mean, how does Instagram make all their revenue is from impressions. They have ad impressions like anybody else. They have a CPM, they have a CPI model and they don't share that with the people that are driving, with the accounts that are driving all of that, you know, all of those impressions. So I think that's eventually where it's going to move to is people are going to want to own their own content and own somewhat of, of, of a revenue stream from these platforms. And I don't under, I, and also I don't understand why Instagram and Twitter haven't introduced something like this. And cause it'll, it'll create more people, you know, it'll, it'll create better content. It'll have, you know, more people wanting to use their platform so that they can potentially monetize. I mean, you're talking, and we're not even talking about a lot of money for some people. I mean, crap, when we started U Stadium, even, even today, it, 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 it may even be suitable. Crap, give me 25 bucks a month. I'll take it. Yeah, I'll, yeah. What am I chasing? Put in. I mean, you know. Give yeah, me, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. We have a, an advisor who used to be at YouTube, so hair, and he worked at Twitter and YouTube, and he's like, when we started YouTube, and YouTube started this early, we would send a red check to our earliest influencers or creators on YouTube for seven dollars a month. Literally, we cut checks for seven bucks, and they loved it. They go get a slice of pizza and and and, and a soda or something, and. Right. It's cool. Like it's it's something that I don't understand what these platforms. Look like. I think the passion economy is really booming. It's similar to like what Uber did with your for people that had cars. It's we can monetize it. What Airbnb did for people that have rooms, you can monetize it. Now it's like what social media can do for people that create great content and create audiences and their own followings. You can monetize it. That's what it's going to be. You know, people are trying stuff like chefs, people that can cook can go and they can go and cook for people and that's monetizable. So you'll see skills, which being a social influencer is a skill, will be monetizable. And it is now. I mean Patreon's doing it only fans, but it's gonna get bigger and bigger as we as as social goes. These generalized networks people aren't gonna want. Like general news is done. No one wants to go and just AOL, Yahoo, those like home pages. They're dead. No one wants that. They want you want personalized news. That's really what it is. It's the same right, like right. personalized social feed, but it's monetizable. That's where I see it going for sure. Let's talk about raising money. Uh, it's something that you guys and we know this story really well. Also, uh, it's the very beginning. It's almost impossible, and uh, you know the small checks or big checks and to you and and uh, you're you're bootstrapping for the most part early on, and then you finally get some investment and. And it leads up to now where you guys are trying to raise a, raise a pretty large seed round so you can really scale this thing. But, but what's that been like? You know, I guess just, just walk the listeners through that whole story. Yeah, I mean, oh man. I mean, fundraising is one of the most difficult, one of the, literally the most difficult thing. One of the most? <laughs> it's the most. <laughs> no, it is. Yeah. Uh, the only thing comparable to fundraising for us is finding a lead engineer or finding good quality engineers sometimes is maybe in certain instances more difficult because me not being a technical co-founder is I'm not able to code something that needs to be coded at an elite level or else we're going to get washed away by these bigger networks that I was right. discussing. So that's something, but you're right. Fundraising is 
the most difficult part of it um, for sure. And um, I think the one thing, the one thing that really needs to be established is just a very simple, concise story, a why, and an understanding that you're not gonna solve the world's problems with your product. You're not gonna solve everything. A lot of times it may be a part of like the insecurity of just starting a business or, or running one is, you know things aren't perfect. You know all your faults. No one knows your business better than you. It's okay to say that we're not very good here. Or we're not going to focus here. We're trying to get better here, but we're really good here. And this is where we think the market's going. And this is what we're going to do in this market, how we'll grow and how we'll make money for everybody. I mean, if you're able to do that and you're able to prove it and, and show that you understand your market, uh, and then it's about the legal side of things. I mean, I was helping a young entrepreneur now put together just um, some initial convertible note documents and valuations and, you know, him, you know, allowing him to understand how, you know, or teaching him basically how this mark, you know, how it works, how does fundraising work? How, when you get diluted, what does it look like? What's a, what's a valuation cap? So having those, having that understanding is important before you fundraise because investors will test you. If, if you go out there in a call and they're asking you about valuation and you're just, you don't understand it. And they're asking, well, do you want to do, a, are you thinking of a safe note or do you want to do a price round and you don't even know how to answer that? Then the confidence is, is, is gone. It's tough enough to pitch your business to someone that doesn't know you or your business and do it with confidence all the time is tough, but understanding the legalities and how valuations work and fundraising the, the specifics is, it's something you definitely want to, you know, sh sharpen your sword, quote unquote, before you do that, because it it'll be a mess for you. And then you'll, you'll, you'll find investors just not reaching back out because they know you don't understand how fundraising works. So it's important. What was that first investment like for you? I mean, were you guys like, finally, you know, I mean, how many meetings did you take before you got your first yes, by the way? I remember the first, I remember the week. Nick and I finally, we were raising a hundred thousand dollars <laughs> right. on a two point one value million dollar valuation. Okay. Where we got it from, I have no idea. But we we were giving advisory stock with it. So like, if you invested as an investor twenty five k or five k, we'd give you some extra stock. So it would like almost double the value of the investment. Okay. It's probably closer to like a one million dollar round, which. If you're in New York City and you have a tech app, it's pretty on par with the corner. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to, yeah, because I was originally, even when you said two, I thought, okay, that's that, man, if you were able to pull that off, that was, that was pretty exciting. I, I think that, uh, it was probably one. one right, right. One, sure. One, sure. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, when we, uh, so, but I remember like we, I mean, the amount of, the amount of messages and Nick and I were just all over LinkedIn, just like, like we were with social, but we did it with LinkedIn now. <laughs> the investors and messaging and asking them about like, have they invested before? What do they think about sports? I mean, the amount, it's crazy because for that first round, the amount of connections that we still have to this day with investors is unreal. I mean, and Nick's great at that. Maybe he's the best person I've ever worked with on stuff like that. It's just building cold connections through social LinkedIn in that social category, building connections and just like 
making them ones that you're going to have forever. I mean, you know, Sean Lenardi, we're still connected with and, and Kurt and Austin Kirk and Percy. I mean, we have a ton of angels that like are, they're friends now for us. They don't even, and they have never <laughs> reinvested. Sean invested in that round and never reinvested, but we're still friends with him. You know, we follow up with him on Instagram, do text messaging. Like it's, it's, it was a good outreach to start and it was friends and family. And I remember the first week we, we closed money. We closed like in one day we were like, you know what? I said, Nick, Friday, 3 p.m., no more like, no more, you know, having these investors be on the fence. We're closing Friday at 3 p.m. or 4 p.m. And we don't care. You're either in or you're out. We're going to call all these investors because we have like a group of like 30 that were like, yeah, we'd be interested maybe. We yeah, yeah, yeah. We just close. I remember like that day we closed like 60K or 65K in my grandmother's house. She wasn't home for some reason. We were like, and I'm like, in the typical like Navaletan's house with like the, the the couch with the plastic on it. <laughs> Literally, that's where we were. Like I was on the table. I think he was on the couch and just laying down. Like I don't know what he was like. He just like lays down on his phone, and I was just like, I'm like just making calls. Like bam, 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 bam. Yes. I'm like what the hell just happened? We like we were like so happy, but. Yeah, that was that was when we raised that amount. Then we've been doing convertible notes ever since. So right now we're almost at I think five seventy five k. We've raised since two thousand fifteen. It's been around a hundred k per year. We basically whatever we raise, we reinvest into product and tech. And so, uh, so, do you have to raise the seed that you're raising right now? Do you have to raise to convert a lot of that stock? Some of it, yes. The first okay. round, no. So the round I just discussed was all converted. Yeah. Uh, most of this stock, yeah. So like around 400K will be escalated through the convertible notes. Okay. Um, and they have interest attached to it, notes too. So every year those notes accrue 6% added value. And we're raising now, yeah, we're raising a $2.5 million seed round uh, at around a $7.5 million pre-money valuation. Uh, flexible terms on that. We can go a little down, which is not like negotiating with myself at that point. But <laughs> it, for us, I mean, assuming football season's looking like it's going to launch on time, which I think it will, the NFL, I'm like pretty confident. September, we were trying to get the money in or at least get a lead in so that we could start. Um, yeah. You know, blow it out this football season with the mega fan stuff that I was just talking about. So, I, you know, I honestly felt like I feel like will raise next year and I just feel like I want the metrics because I feel like we're going to have such a big sports season when everything comes back I want to just be able to have those metrics when I go back in I you know just just personally um just for the simple fact that right now you know the thing about raising money is that investors pull out every stop they can to try to you know either say no or lower your valuation. So I just feel like it, this is like low hanging fruit to be able to rate to, for an investor to be able to say why there may be a problem with the business during this pandemic stage. So I'm just like, screw it. Like once this over, we'll go and raise money when there's no excuses, you know, and our numbers are, are through the roof. Yeah, no, definitely. I think the one advantage is for you guys and, and, and us also with with where the world is going and where social's going and, and the internet is, everything's becoming digital. I mean, from Zoom happy hours to, um, you know, FaceTiming and groups. And I mean, the world, uh, 
I was saying this to somebody, not to get too out there, but um, if you look at the world in like a thousand years, it's everything's going to be digital, AR and VR. And we were used to the olden days maybe where you'd go to a, a whiskey bar and sit down with uh, someone who, you know, runs a chain of mechanic shops or something or mom and pop shops and they'd give you a check there for 50000 to run your business. Those, those we're, we're transitioning away from that. Uh, from that where like everything's everything's so digital and our platforms happen to live digitally i mean we're doing this digitally you're you're podcasting you know you you know business which is huge brand i mean like that's all digital that's that's going to keep getting more and more you know it's just right 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 hey I, let's jump into this uh quick round here so you got three questions i'm going to shoot them at you and you're one of the few people i actually didn't give these pasta, pizza, pasta. <laughs> beforehand you're not going to actually is better. All right, so. you're not going to be able to leverage <laughs> pizza is more, more more versatile but pasta is better okay so first question the most important book to you the magic of thinking big the magic of thinking I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm writing these down I, I always, I always I, read these down. so t tell me about it I've never read a book and I should probably reread it because I've I loved it. Um, I missed the camera twice, but uh, basically it goes through things from, you know, ancient philosophy, religion, business. It's, it's about just empowering yourself. And it talks about how so many different types of people and groups have used a commonality of, of it's, it's a little bit like the secret or um, books that talk about just, what you think is what you manifest. Right. Sure, uh, sure. Manifestation. Yeah, but it goes into more of, of, of how that has been pitched and how that's been presented to various groups and, and people. So it's just a great book. It just talks. It talks through history. It hits on a little bit of everything. It doesn't always stay on one path, but it goes down this avenue, then this, and then that one. Um, you get a little religion, and then you'll get like ancient philosophy, and then I'll talk about like Henry Ford and what he was talking about in a sure, sure. It's really cool. It's a it's a really interesting book. I like the way it was written. The most underrated athlete of all time. Most underrated athlete of all time. I want to get this one good because not my my favorite, but the most underrated. All right, not not really underrated, but. I can make an argument that he's the best ever at his position. Um, Ladanian Tomlinson. Um, oh, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, a guy who's like really great and a Hall of Famer, but he's still underrated because he's never put in that top slot or in that top group even. Yes. I think Ladanian Tomlinson was unbelievable. Because <laughs> he was incredible. Not only on the ground, not only would he – I think – I don't know if he still has it, but I know he broke the rushing record, rushing touchdown record. So he was an amazing short yardage back. He was an amazing pass catcher. One year he had over 100 catches. He was the first running back to do that. I mean, he was so versatile, never injured, played all the time, played on bad teams and never shut up. I mean, and, uh, and, um, and, and always shut his mouth and played hard and didn't hold out. And it, just the way he conducted himself. And even today, you see him on TV, he's just – just dressed well, presentable, good guy. I mean, he's just, he's amazing. He's, he's yeah, amazing. he's, he's a, he's a, the Jets too. He was washed up and he was awesome for us too still. I mean, 
yeah, he's he's on he's unbelievable. I think the last one is the space or business that you're most excited about in the near future. Space, I think, electric powered, call it like micro technologies are really getting special. Um, I recently purchased one of those, I was telling you electric scooter, those birds, and just the way electric powered things operate and how for 500 bucks, I go to and from work. I don't have to take a subway. I don't have to take a cab. I don't have to take any of this stuff. I just think that revolution is really empowering. It saves time, it's efficient, and it's gonna span across many different things. So I just think electric power is just starting in the most part, whether it's, you know, in whatever mediums you wanna look at it, but I just am really bullish on that industry for the most part. I think those micro transportation units, I see now in the cities, everyone has like electric bikes, but more and more you'll start seeing that electric skateboards and stuff. I just think it's a very, very, it's an industry that can reach billions of people worldwide. I mean, even even putting these in in, in less in, um, in impoverished areas and allowing people to get around without having to wait for a train or a bus, etc. I think it just makes people more mobile, and at the end of the day, it allows people to get places a lot more efficiently for for nothing for such a minuscule at such a minuscule price point. So it's something I'm I'm really bullish on. Awesome, man. Well, I really appreciate you coming in and sharing your insight here. And uh, so, so excited to uh, see what you guys have coming up next because that app only gets better and you only see more people on it. And, you know, it's so, uh, it's, it, it functions in so many different ways. So it's been really awesome to see. Hey, Brandon, you're the man, dude. And, you know, as I was saying, you've been, been great as a friend, but as, as someone that I, I just look up to to the way you run your business. You do you do an excellent job, and you always stay super focused. And um, it's 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 great. Just like having you having friends like you around in life helps you build and grow. So so it's been great, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, brother.